Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. Come on, we doing all right today? How many of you guys are excited for school to be over? How many of you think we should do year-round school? <laughs> okay, all right, well. Well, I actually saw a couple students raise their hands, so you must, be, you must really love school, that's awesome. Uh, summer is coming, and uh, it's, it's exciting. Uh, we're in a new season. We, we, we bought an older home that has a pool. Any pool people in the house? Anybody have a pool? Okay, it's weird. I, I never expected to have a house with a pool, and so uh, we're learning how to do all that. But here's what I think. This is just where I stand on it. If my kid's skin is not falling off, do I really need to add or take away chemicals in the pool? Like, it's, it's water, people. Like, I just really feel like there's a lot of money that goes into all these chemicals, and I'm like, we are not putting chemicals in the water they're showering in. Like, I, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. If you have some advice for me, but where I'm at right now is as long as it doesn't look like uh, the Ganges River or, or whatever, then I'm just going to let it roll. Like, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But if you are, are a pool person, you're like, no, no, you've got to put chemicals in it. But it's just weird that you add chemicals to something to make it better. It seems kind of counterintuitive to me. But anyway, I'm getting off that tangent. Well, we are wrapping up uh, this series on the family. And I know a lot of you thought, oh, I thought that was over. But no, we actually were continuing even last week with Mother's Day. A week when we talked about fighting for your family. Then we talked about the secret of marriage, some principles around parenting, singleness. Talked to moms last week. I want to talk to you about your church family today. Your church family. Ephesians 2.19 says this, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Man, I just love all of that. But it is a paradigm shift. It's a different perspective. Uh, it was especially a different perspective during the time that this is written and to the people that is written. It, it just sounded foreign that all of a sudden, uh, where there was a lot of upheaval, there was a lot of people that were displaced and, and, and fleeing from different countries, really because of the Romans. And, and in spite of all that, like, People were becoming Christ followers, but they didn't realize that when they became Christ followers, like, no, it's so much more than just believing what someone else believes. Like, you're going to become a part of something. It's significant. And, and it was that much more important during that time because of all the oppression that people were facing, and especially the church was facing because of the Romans. But I, I want to talk about some things because I think we have some misconceptions. Uh, how many of you are raised in the Bible Belt, raised in the South? How many of y'all raised in the South? Okay, so most of you. I think especially in the South, especially in the Bible Belt, we just kind of click into this 
mindset. It's like, yeah, we, we live in the South. We're from the South. We go to church. Or even if we don't go to church, we say that we're church people. And even if we haven't been to church in a long time, we'll even identify the denomination that we're part of, even if we've only been to that church that's a part of that denomination two times in the last 10 years. It's just like kind of becomes a part of your, your title. But, but I think that in that sometimes we can get sucked into some bad thinking around what is the church? So I wanna talk about some things the church is not, first of all. The church is not a structure. The church is not a structure. How many of you guys are thankful for this building? How many of you guys are thankful for it? Okay, well, if there's only eight of you that are, are thankful for it, then that's awesome because we can sell it and save a lot of money and, and we'll just meet somewhere else. But uh, no, I, I, I'm thankful for it. Look, a lot of people worked really, really hard. How many of you uh, were here when we were in the old building? How many were here when we were in the old building? Okay, quite a few of you. Okay, so if you weren't here when we were in the old building, oh man, you, are, you missed out on a treat. Because uh, in the whole building, okay, first of all, we had like, like seven designated parking spots. That was it. And then people just had to park everywhere else. And, and people did. They parked in like people's yards. It was bad. Like I got calls from people. But, but it, the building itself, it, I, I refer to it as the dance hall. Because way back in the day, that's what it was. It was a dance hall back in the day. And so this place, oh my goodness. I don't know if any of it was to code. I, I'm pretty sure like there was nothing electrical or plumbing that was done to code. You would flip a switch and sparks would go off. We just say, oh, that's just part of the production that we do here. It's pretty. And, and like the AC never worked. We had to run sprinklers on the roof in the summertime to try to cool down the metal. Uh, the plumbing was all backwards. In fact, when I first got there, the only hot water in the whole building was in one of the toilets in the woman's bathroom. That was it. All the hot water. Like, and so like if the building was cold, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I guess you could get warm by being on that toilet. But, but that was the only place. So we had to figure that out and, and no parking. Every once in a while, the carnival would show up unannounced. We'd lose all of our parking that Sunday. It was a, it was a mess. The only positive thing was some of the carnies came in. I think a couple got saved, which is awesome, you know, but, but it was just, it was, it was not a great building. But man, how awesome it was to be a part of that church family, to see how God was moving, to see that in spite of the structure being not the best, man, people were just being drawn in like they still are by the presence of God. You know, but one of my fears was when if we got this building, people would settle. And people would get comfortable. People would say, oh, fine, we, we can be like every other church that gets their building and people come to the building and then a church becomes about a structure. But the family of God is not a structure. The church family, it's not a structure. We don't just go to the church, we are the church. The church is not a place, it's its people. And we wanna build the real church and we wanna build it with your help. We need your help. 
We are all called, every person who calls himself a Christ follower, you are called by God to help build the church, the church family. Buildings are great. I'm thankful for this building. But the only reason why we build buildings is so that we can build people, period. It says in Ephesians 4.11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. The responsibility is to equip, the, equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Not the building, the people. And every one of us has a role in that. Look, when you make church something that you just go to, a location, you will no longer see yourself as a part of the church. The church just becomes something that is peripheral to you. Like, oh, that's just one of those, it's one of the places that I spend time at each week. But it's so much more than that. Because a building can't send texts to people when they're hurting. A building can't receive blessings or prayer or welcome other people. There's so much more to it. The church also is not just a service. It's not just a service. Look, I, I love our services. I, I think that our worship and production teams are phenomenal. I, I, I love how they are able to use their gift to lead us into the presence of God in worship. I, I love the way that, that God has given us a way to preach the gospel and to preach repentance and, and to teach his word in a way that is relevant, that people can connect to. And I even love that we have technology where we can live stream services and we have podcasts and we, and we have those things and we're not gonna stop doing those things. But at the end of the day, I'm so thankful that it's not just a service because if it was just a service then those things would be good enough. But one thing we have definitely learned in this last year is services are not enough. You've gotta have biblical community. You gotta be around people. All those, all those things, whether it's online or even here, this is no substitute for being around people that love Jesus like you love Jesus, that struggle with loving Jesus like you will struggle sometimes with loving Jesus, that will encourage you when you're loving him well and challenge you when you're not. There's no substitute for that. So it can't just be a service. Hebrews 12, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Spur one another on is another translation. I think it's incredibly important that we don't just come to a structure. We don't just come to a service but we come because we're a people united by the blood of Jesus, by the cross, by the word of God. The church also is not just a support. Now, don't get me wrong. The church should support you. It should equip you. I hope that you get fed spiritually. The church should be there for you. However, that's not the only purpose of the church. The church is not just some sort of like self-help organization where we spoon feed you everything that concerns your spiritual life. I think often what happens is we start searching for a church 
if we're searching for a church, we're looking for a church that meets our needs instead of looking for a church where we can have the best opportunity to impact the kingdom of God and to serve. I think, honestly, one of the issues is our consumer culture that we have here, especially in our country, has drifted into church culture where we just consume. Consumers consume to get full. Contributors consume to give away. They're looking for not just how I'm going to get fed so I can figure out what I'm going to do with what I've been fed. Consumers consume to satisfy themselves, but contributors consume to prepare themselves. In other words, people who receive just to receive, they get, they get full, and in the end, they wind up spiritually sluggish, lazy, and tired. But people who receive so they can make a difference, they're spiritually lean, disciple-making machines because they understand that it's not just about them. Consumers, a lot of times, will think about themselves, but contributors, man, they're thinking about everyone. They're thinking about the community. They're thinking about how they can make an impact. The truth is this. To be a Christ follower, to be a true member of the body of Christ, to be a contributor, it takes sacrifice. It does. A lot of times, consumers are always thinking about their preference. Like, how can I... How can I feel more spiritual, more knowledgeable? How can my kids have more fun, be more excited? How can my life be more comfortable and stable? And this is very normal in our culture. And the truth is, I do this sometimes. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. How can I get my life into this box that is safe and comfortable? And then when you're in that place, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. But it also doesn't mean that it's biblical. It doesn't mean that that's what God has for you. Because the truth is this, the most fulfilling that I have ever been was when I was living the most sacrificial for the body of Christ. There is no doubt about it. Without a doubt. The most fun that I've ever had has been when I have been living in the seasons of seeing his kingdom more clearly, contributing to the body of Christ. So what is the church? The entire Bible is the story of God desiring to build a family that would love him, honor him, and reign with him forever. That's the whole thing. When you look into the Greek text, which is what the New Testament is primarily written in, or all of it's written in, the word for church is the word ekklesia. But this word translates to called out ones. Called out ones. Listen, the church is a community of believers that have been called out from the rest of the world. Not supposed to look just like it, but called out. Matthew 12, 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? 
Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So what Jesus is doing, even with this, he's paving the way for a new way of seeing family. As you read the Bible, man, it is full of several metaphors that talks about the church and this idea and concept of church family. It talks about the body in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5, Revelations 19. A flock of sheep that need to be shepherded in Acts 20 and 1 Peter 5. A family like we're talking about today in Galatians 4. Matthew 12, 1 John 4, 1 Timothy 5. What all these biblical metaphors have in common is they are not a place you go to, but a people that you're a part of every time. And it's the same thing with the church family. It's not something you go to, it's who you are. And in the first century, man, they took this really, really seriously when it came to the body of Christ. Like if you were a believer, you were a part of the church. If you were not a part of a church, no one even called you a believer. That's how important the understanding of the body of Christ was. In addition to that, being a part of the church meant that you were deeply involved and committed to the life and well-being of that church. So I wanna give you a couple characteristics of a church family. And you can apply this to the church universally, but you can also apply it to who we wanna be as a church family here. In a church family, we need others. We need others. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Look, we need others to lift us up when life has punched us in the face. We also need others to celebrate with us when good things are happening. When there's baby dedications and water baptisms and people are having babies and weddings and engagements and birthdays and adoptions. Look, sometimes in the body of Christ, we do the receiving and sometimes we do the giving but we need each other. We need each other. It's also important that we all play our part. Romans 12, four, it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a, spe a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Look, this is impart important, certainly even within the function of our services. Like, I Every person has to do their part. And, and there isn't one thing that happens, and I'll just use the services because it's a great picture of what it should look like outside of these walls, outside of this structure, because you have people around here that are very behind the scenes. But those people and what they do behind the scenes is just as important and making people feel welcome and making sure that there's excellence around here so that people can come in and be undistracted so they can encounter the presence of God. And so you have to know that the people that get here early and straighten chairs and, and make sure that the stuff that's in the seat backs is in there and the people that are making coffee, anybody thankful for coffee, amen? 
I mean, Corona tried to take it away from us, but we got it back in Jesus' name. And, and so, and so uh, all those people, you have to know this, this is my heart and this is the way that you should see it too. Every one of those people have just as much impact in the eternity of a soul as me standing here on stage. That's a fact. Every one of them, if they didn't do what they do, then the people that raise their hand at the end of service in response to what the Holy Spirit is doing in their hearts, they contribute to that just as much as anyone else. You better believe the people that are taking care of your kids back in those classrooms right now have just as much to do with people being able to receive what God has for them in this room as anyone else. All of us have to play our part, but it's not just here. You see, we need the people that are the businessmen and businesswomen, the first responders, the nurses, the doctors. We need those people to see God's kingdom come and his will be done in their lives in every one of those situations and circumstances just as much as we wanna see it happen here. When you, walk, when you drive off this property, you have to understand that's not when your part of the body of Christ ends. That's when it is put under a microscope. That's when it has even more importance and emphasis because you drive away from here, you're driving away from here into a lost and dark world that needs you to play your part, which is also why it's so important that your testimony and your witness is not compromised. So just a reminder, if you have a tendency to drive angry, if you have a tendency to have some loose fingers, particularly the middle one that sometimes you just can't control, please don't have a New Life Church sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> Remove it immediately. You know, we can joke about that, but man, I'm just, look, here's the thing. We have to see that whether we're here or we're not, there are people looking for something. They're looking for someone. You know what's causing most of the hurt that's happening in our world? An identity crisis. It's an identity crisis of people trying to find their significance and find where and who they belong to. But God created them to be a part of his body. And the reason why they're so upset is because they haven't found that yet. They don't realize that yet. So when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said it very clearly. They will know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. That's how you'll know. They'll know. You have a part to play. We're also united. We're united. Philippians 1.27 says this. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Okay, above all, above all. Okay, so in the Greek, that means above all, most important, okay? It's above all. Where are we first and foremost a citizen of? Heaven. I love our country. I'm thankful I live here. I will say getting to travel the world, I'm more thankful for it than I believe a lot of people are thankful for it because I've seen what we have and I've seen what other people don't have. I'm so thankful for it. But don't get it twisted. <laughs> I'm first and foremost a citizen of heaven, period.
So that's what sets my standard. It's not, a, it's not a piece of paper that was built on the foundation of Judeo-Christian ethics. Not even that, no. It is the word, the book, the word of God that established that document that sets my standard. But we have to be united in that. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. One of the things we talk about in our Connect class is the difference between essential versus non-essential beliefs. And what I'm so thankful for is we live in a city and community where we have so many amazing churches. We have different theological thinkings on some things. What I love is that there's a good group of us to meet together every month because in spite of having some differences in some theology, we have unity when it comes to the essentials of our faith. The word of God is the Bible. Jesus is the son of God, a triune God. You have to be born again, the essentials of our faith. And in the non-essentials, look, we can have liberty, we can have grace, we can have love. I'm so thankful. An example of a non-essential belief. People will fight about this. And some of you, if I gave the opportunity, you may wanna fight with me about it. But I'll just give you kind of one that's it's maybe not as serious. But some people will fight about when does the rapture happen? When does the rapture happen? Okay, some of you are like, I don't even know what that is. Okay, we'll get there. Read Revelation. But as you, as you study that, some people would say, well, the rapture is gonna happen before the tribulation starts. Before, pre-trib, pre-trib rapture people. Okay, that's, that's like, that's what they're waiting for. Like right now, they're just like, okay, it could happen any moment now. Okay, then you have the mid-tribulation people. Like, no, we gotta go through some crazy stuff before it gets really ugly though, we get rapture, okay? And then there's the masochistic Christians and they're all like, no, we gotta go all the way through the tribulation. It's the only way our faith is tested. And then we get raptured after. People will argue about this, fight about this. Christians, as a church, we are a pan-trib rapture church. We believe in the end, it's all gonna pan out. We don't need to argue about it. We, we got too much to do. We got too many things that are way more important than when it happens. The main thing is we wanna make sure we're in it and we wanna bring as many people with us as we possibly can. That's the focus. That's the focus. But we gotta be united if we're gonna do that well. If we're gonna accomplish that, we gotta be united. I love this story. I'll tell it quickly. There was a, a, a judo instructor and one day he, he got this call and he found out that one of his younger students, this 10 year old boy was involved in a car wreck. And as a result of the car wreck, this 10 year old boy wound up losing his left arm. And in a few months after that, as he had recovered and recuperated, the, the mother of the 10 year old boy called the judo instructor and said, hey, he is, he's discouraged, he's depressed, but he, he loved doing judo. Is there any way that you would work with him? And the instructor said, of course, yeah, I, I would love to. 
instruct him. And when he came back for his first class back from, after losing his, his arm, the instructor said, okay, here's the deal. I need you to trust me. I need you to do exactly what I tell you to do. If you will trust me and do exactly what I tell you to do, then, then not only will you do judo, but you will be very, very good. You're gonna win a lot of matches. And so he started instructing this kid. He started instructing this kid. But he was only teaching him one move. That was it. He would only teach him one move. And every once in a while, the kid would get frustrated. Like, are we ever gonna work on anything else? Can we do something else? And instructor said, remember, you agreed to trust me. They worked on it for months and months. And then they, they, they went into a tournament. And, and as the tournament began, he, he won. He won a match and then he won another one. And, and people were surprised and people were amazed, but it, you know, it's like, wow, maybe it's just like, it's lower, you know, it's, it hasn't quite gotten into the upper levels, the, the better kids. And so maybe, you know, maybe it's just a fluke, but no, he kept winning. Before you know it, it was getting the attention of some of the local media. And so they were starting to show up. And, and as the tournament went on, this kid just kept winning every match, every match. And so then got into the last match and he beat one of the best kids his own age group, but he was a bigger kid. He had been in judo way longer than this kid had been in it, and he beat him. And so some of the local media, they, they came over and they were talking to the kid and they were congratulating him, but then they went and talked to the instructor. They said, what, how, what in the world just happened? Like, how were you able to do this? And he said, well, for the last few months, I've been instructing him on one of the most difficult moves that you can learn in judo. It's, it's incredibly difficult to learn. But if you can master it, the only way that your opponent can counteract that move is they have to grab your left arm. And my student doesn't have a left arm. So that's how he beat everybody. I feel like that's a great picture of what a lot of times the church is. The church is not perfect. The church is messed up. The people in the church are messed up. This is a hospital for spiritual sickness and brokenness. Not all of you are messed up. If you don't think you're messed up, that's how you're messed up. You're messed up because you don't think you're messed up. The truth is all of us are like that, but if we will trust God, the body of Christ is his one move that the enemy cannot defeat. That in spite of our brokenness, if we will trust God, if we will lean into his word, if we will play our part, if we will do what God has called us to do, and ask him to reveal the gifts he's placed inside of us and use those gifts to build up the body of Christ. And then it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to bring against us, he's a defeated foe every time. So I love talking about your family, but you know what the world needs more than ever right now? The world needs to see the family of God, the body of Christ being what God created it to be more than ever. The hope of the world is the local church. That is it. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads.
Father God, I, I, I do want to be that. I feel like we have so much of, of what I was speaking about. And, and so maybe if, if nothing else, a lot of this is just a reminder to us. And we need those reminders. But I think some of us, sometimes we just need to be shaken up a little bit to be given focus. To remember, what is the church? Why are we here? What's this about? So God, thank you for that. But I'll also know that there may be a couple people here right now that they feel like they're on the outside looking in. There's nothing more miserable than showing up where there's a bunch of people that know each other and they're getting along and they're having conversation and you're feeling like, man, I, do I belong here? Lord, I know that we have a welcoming church. I know that we have friendly people. But I know that there may be some people here that are feeling that way, not because of, of this service, the people in this church, but because of their relationship with you. And so Lord, we come before you right now. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that it is your desire that every one of your sons and every one of your daughters is reconciled back into your family that returns back to your family. So if you're here today and you just know, man, I'm away from the Lord. I'm not a part of his family because I don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you were a part of it. Or maybe you feel like you had a relationship, but you have drifted away from him. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him this morning. I know this. I know God loves you more than you could ever imagine. There's nothing that you could ever do, good or bad, that would ever cause him to love you any more or any less because he is love. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to have the hope of heaven. He wants you to be a part of his family. But the only way that that can happen is through his son, Jesus. It's through confessing, admitting that you've made mistakes, you've sinned, that sin separates you from a loving God. But if you will accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, and if you'll turn away from living for yourself and living for the world and turn towards him, then you can be saved, but you can be part of his family too. If you're here and you know you need that, Nobody's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'd love to pray with you and believe with you right now. If you're willing to admit it, confess it, and have some faith released inside of you to receive it, I wanna ask you just to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Yes, sir, got it, bro. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, God. Yes, sir, got it. Got it, thank you, bro. Anyone else? I'm just away from him. I need a relationship with him. I've done the church thing. I've done the religion thing. I want a relationship. I want to be a part of his family. Got it. Thank you, bro. Anyone else? Okay, got it. Father God, I just thank you so much for my, the few brothers and sisters, Lord, that just raised their hand. I'm thankful that I can call them brothers and sisters because of the prayer that they're getting ready to pray because of their hearts towards you, Lord. If you raise your hand, 
You can say this prayer loud enough for your own ears to hear. You can just say it in your heart if you like. I'd encourage you. The word says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you can be saved. So you need to go public with this decision. You can do that through water baptism. We'll have one of those coming up in just a couple of weeks. But right now, just say this. Say, God, here's my life and I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't save myself, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Past, present, and future, what you did on the cross is enough. But I thank you, you didn't just die and pay the price for my sin, but you rose from the grave. And when you rose from the grave, you defeated my sin. You defeated death but you also ensured a purpose because I don't just have the hope of heaven so that I can die and go to heaven. I have the hope of heaven so that I can live with your hope, with your love, with your joy now so that others can see that hope, can see that joy, can also have the same hope that I now have. So Lord, reveal yourself to me. Would you speak to me? I don't wanna live for myself. I don't wanna have my agenda. I wanna live my purpose in you. And so I know I can't do that unless I repent. I turn towards you, turn towards you. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Lord? Every day, I wanna surrender to you. Every day, I wanna take up my cross and follow you. Thank you that in that is life and life to the full. Father God, thank you for every person that said that prayer this morning. Lord, as we're getting ready to worship you some more, let our hearts be full of something that is of worth because you are worthy. And I thank you, God, that those that just said that prayer, they're gonna be able to worship you different than they've been able to worship you before because there's freedom now, there's belonging now, there's hope now. Thank you for moving in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.